Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. It's great to um, share the word. It's always a tremendous privilege to preach and share the word. And, and um, what I want to do today is to introduce or possibly reintroduce a really vital truth, an image, uh, a concept, more than a concept, it's a truth that that is essential for us as we build together this year. And and I want to just kind of really raise the stakes right right at the beginning and say it's impossible for us, it is impossible for us to become all that God intends without grasping, without embracing, without beginning to outwork more fully the subject matter of this morning. It's essential. And it concerns Zion as you can see from the screen behind me. So um, I don't know when you last used that word, Zion. I don't know what uh, images it it conveys. I don't know whether you are currently thinking in natural or in spiritual terms. Um, But it's vital we have a proper understanding of, of what that word means and where it is. And who it is. And why it matters in the plan of God. And how it is to be outworked. And um, as you will see, this is part of my occasional series that I call This Is Us. And um, it is occasional. I think the the first three were about a year ago. And there's been been one or two since. And, and, And every time I preach under this heading, This Is Us, I'm wanting to be sure we keep our eyes on who we are and what that means and where we're going. And for all sorts of reasons, an understanding of Zion is vital and timely for us right now. The word has a lot to say about Zion, over 160 references, and the Holy Spirit has a lot to say to us about Zion through the word. So that's where we're going this morning. And I'm going to start... I'm going to start close to where I want to end up. Um, I don't have a slide for this, but if you could turn to Hebrews 12. We'll put a marker in the sand, then we'll go back to the beginning. Hebrews 12, verse 22. says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels in festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. Amen. So, um, What I want to do today is lay a foundation that we can build on throughout this year. I want to look into what the Old Testament history tells us about Zion, very briefly. What we see in the Psalms and the prophets. I want to say something about how Jesus and the apostles understand Zion. And we'll end and spend some time saying, what does this mean for us here and now? 
okay? And, and as, uh, just, just a couple of, um, these aren't warnings, these are um, just alerts, really. There's going to be lots of Bible, okay? Lots of Bible, lots to take in, and my prayer is that I can do this justice in the short time available, okay? So turn back with me now to 2 Samuel. The first time that Zion... By the way, how many of you would, would regularly use this word? How, how, how many of us could put our hands up and say, this is part of my language? Okay. Do you know what? It used to be part of our language. It, we used to talk... Marion will remember this. <laughs> we used to talk about Zion a lot, and, and, and we don't do that, and my appeal is we should. Okay? So 2 Samuel 5 is the first time we read about a place called Zion. And um, the backstory here is that David has, has been the king of, of, the, of, a, of a couple of the tribes, but now all of Israel comes to David to make him king of all Israel. He's had his base in Hebron, where he's been um, ruling over these two tribes, but now he moves up to Jerusalem. He goes with his men up to Jerusalem, and he goes to, um, to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, although Canaan has been conquered, there's a small part of Jerusalem, a small hill with a fortress on it that is known as the citadel of Mount Zion. And the, uh, none of the, uh, the, the, the um, Benjaminites or the Judaites have been able to capture this bit of the city. It stayed in the hands of the Jebusites, one of the enemy. But David goes up to Jerusalem. He goes to the, uh, he, he, he destroys the enemy. He captures the stronghold of Zion, 2 Samuel 5, verse 7. And he makes it his royal residence. And so Zion becomes known as the city of David. And... Um, and then in the next chapter, chapter 6, 2 Samuel 6, he brings the Ark of the Covenant up to Zion, up to his residence. And, and the Ark, of course, represented God's dwelling place. God dwelt where the Ark was. And David, in this, this incredibly significant um, moment, brings the dwelling place of God into the royal palaces, into the royal stronghold. God is... Uh, Heaven and earth are coming together in Zion. And then um, in the next chapter, I beg your pardon, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, we read that Solomon, David's son, now builds a temple. He builds it uh, not in Zion, but on a mountain called Mount Moriah. It's a few hundred, literally a few hundred meters north of Zion, Mount Zion. Solomon builds a temple. And if you turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, you know this story, many of you, but when, David, when Solomon has finished building the temple, he dedicates it to the Lord, and um, in verse uh, 14 it says, that God comes down and because of the cloud, the priests are not able to continue ministering for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Second Chronicles 7 verse 1 says, When Solomon finished praying, fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings 
and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God came down to that place and filled it with his glory and with his fire. And from then onwards, Zion uh, became used to describe the temple, but actually wider than that, to the whole of Jerusalem and to all of Jerusalem's inhabitants. Zion uh, took on this wider meaning, no longer restricted to this small hill with a fortress on it, but Zion became to refer to the place where God was amongst his people. Zion. So that's quite straightforward. Um, Amongst the psalmists, quite straightforward, Alex, was that quite straightforward? Yeah. Amongst the psalmists, Zion is mentioned so many times. there's There's only five, six, or seven references in the history books. But when you get into the Psalms, you find that Zion is, is referenced frequently by King David himself, who wrote many of the Psalms, by Asaph, by the sons of Korah, by some of the other Psalmists. And it seems that the Holy Spirit ignited their dreams, ignites their imagination, ignites their longings, and they catch a vision of something that is bigger even than what they've experienced. And Zion becomes rich in really powerful imagery and symbolism. I've put some of these uh, on the screen for you just to get a sense of them. But Psalm 2 verse 6, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill, my holy mountain. Psalm 14 verse 7, oh that salvation would come out of Zion. Psalm 48, verse 2. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Psalm 50, verse 2 says, From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Psalm 87 says this. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. Indeed, of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. The Lord will write In the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. Psalm 102, verse 16 says, The Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. Psalm 110, verse 2 says, The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Psalm 125, verse 1, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Psalm 132 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling. Psalm 134, I did warn you there was a lot of Bible. Psalm 134 verse 3 says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of of heaven and earth. There's a lot to catch. There's a lot to take in. But I believe the psalmists understand that God dwells and reigns in Zion. That Zion is chosen. Zion is loved. Zion is the joy of the whole earth. Zion is perfect in beauty, unshakable, the source of salvation and blessing. I love the fact that the names of Zion's inhabitants are written in heaven. This should start to remind us of something that we know. The name of Zion's inhabitants are written in heaven. The psalmists understand, I believe, that Zion is far more than David's city. It is God's dwelling place. When we move into the prophets, 
Again, there are multiple, multiple references. But I think there's two burdens, two prophetic burdens that um, essentially are sort of sometimes spoken almost side by side or uh, in, 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 in different... It's not all of one and then all of the other. They're mixed up. It's, it's, it, it can be a challenge to read the prophets and understand what these burdens are. But essentially, the prophets are saying, first of all, Zion is loved by God, but has turned to other gods, taken other lovers. And therefore, there's a prophetic warning that Zion will be ruined, Zion will be destroyed. The other prophetic burden is that Zion will ultimately be restored. There, is, there are warnings of impending disaster alongside promises of future hope. And you find that in mainly the prophets that prophesied to the southern kingdoms, Micah, Zechariah, Joel, Amos, Zephaniah, Obadiah, but especially in Isaiah and Jeremiah. And all I want to do, all I have time for this morning is, is just to take you through a selection of the prophecy in Isaiah to give you a sense of this. Isaiah, by the way, um, is sort of in two halves, although they're not equal in size, two portions. But the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, uh, broadly speaking, the prophet is um, warning of the coming exile. And um, the second chunk from chapter 40 to, I think it's 66, isn't it? Uh, chapter 40 onwards, is, um, is, is Isaiah looking ahead to beyond the exile, prophesying, seeing ahead to beyond the return of the exiles. But in this first half, Isaiah warns things like this, chapter 1, verse 21. The faithful city has become a prostitute. Chapter 4, verse 4. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. Chapter 3, verse 26, the gates of Zion will lament and mourn. There's, there's, there's these warnings. It's not going to end well for Zion. But there's great hope. Yes. Turn to Isaiah 2, which is fabulous. Isaiah 2, verse 2. In the last days, this is, this is spoken um, even before some of those warnings come, they're kind of side by side, as I was saying. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. The law will go out from Zion. Yes, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Yes. Isaiah 24, verse 23 says, God will reign on Mount Zion. Isaiah 28, verse 16. I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. The people of Zion will weep no more. Isaiah 33, listen to this. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. Verse 5, Isaiah 33 
verse 24, uh, says he will forgive sins. And listen to this. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill. No one living in Zion will say, I am sick, will say, I am ill. And then in the second part of Isaiah, chapter 40 onwards, listen to this. Chapter 42 says, God is doing a new thing. The chosen one will come forth. Jerusalem will be rebuilt and re-inhabited. God will grant salvation to Zion. Chapter 51 says, he will comfort Zion and look with compassion on all her ruins. Chapter 51, verse 11 We've sung this song, but I, bet, I wonder whether you knew where it came from. The redeemed of the Lord will enter Zion with singing. The redeemed of the Lord will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Chapter 52. I'd love you to turn here. Wake up. Or rather, awake, awake Zion. I'm, 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 I'm flipping from Holman into NIV, which is what put my notes in, so... Uh, Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And I think this is in Isaiah 62 still. I will not keep silent because of Zion. Nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. Take note of this. Isaiah 62 verse 2. You will be called by a new name that the Lord's mouth will announce. There's lots to take in. I don't claim to be an expert. But as I read it, as you read some of those things, as you study, I think we begin to realize that whilst the prophecies of ruin, of exile, of destruction have been fulfilled, both in the exile, in the captivity, in the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Romans, in the destruction of the temple, the promises of future hope are not fully fulfilled by the return of the exiles. Much more is envisaged. And we start to see a distinction between the natural and the spiritual. Or as Paul puts it in Galatians 4, between the Jerusalem that is below and the Jerusalem that is from above. That That Jerusalem will be destroyed, but Zion will endure forever. And I want to say that the fulfillment of God's purpose for Zion is not in a rebuilt temple, not in a repopulated city, not in a resettled land, but in something much greater. Abraham was looking for a city whose architect and builder is God. The returning exiles were were told that the latter house would be more glorious than the house they were looking at. When we come into the apostolic writings, you might want to take a breath there, but when we come into the apostolic writings, the New Testament writings, and we see that Jesus and the apostles interpret various Zion texts 
to show this greater fulfillment. Jesus said of himself in Luke chapter 4, and many of us know that Luke 4 is where Jesus sets out his own commission, his own ministry, his own mission is is in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for captives, recovery of the sight for the the blind. And he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah 61, which is about Zion. And Jesus uses that text to announce his ministry, good news, for the whole world. Amen? Peter uses uses Joel chapter 2 and Psalm 110 in Acts 2, where Peter is explaining what's happening at Pentecost. He uses two Old Testament texts that are describing Zion to explain what's happening at Pentecost and to explain that it is now King Jesus, not King David, who is ruling from Zion. Peter used, I know there's a lot here, just just bear with me. Peter uses Isaiah 28.6, that verse where it says, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious cornerstone. Peter uses that verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 to describe the church in which Jesus is the cornerstone. Paul uses that same imagery of the cornerstone in Ephesians 2 verse 20, doesn't it? We read this so many times. The whole, the, the built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. That's Zion imagery. And Peter and Paul and the apostles are applying it to the church. Amen? It's in Hebrews that the veil is really pulled back. And we read the verse earlier. We're going to turn to it again and put it on the screen. Hebrews 12 says this. First of all, do we believe Hebrews is written for us? Okay? If you believe that, then you have to read this that says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Here is Zion, and now for the first time, has a new name, heavenly Jerusalem. It's not earthly. What was hinted at in the Psalms, what was anticipated by the prophets, is now in plain sight. Amen. Amen. Zion is from above. And everything else was a type, was a shadow of something greater. Here in Zion are myriads of angels. For this is where heaven meets earth. I I can't help but go back to Genesis 28 where Jacob has has the dream of the ladder and the angels ascending and descending from heaven to earth. And he says, this is the house of God. This this angelic human overlap. 
this heaven meeting earth is, is characteristic of, is distinctive of the church of Jesus Christ. Here are myriads of angels. Here is the church of the firstborn, those born from above, whose names are registered in heaven. This one and that one, this one and that one, and this one and that one, and this one and that one, were born in her. Born in Zion. Here is God the judge, forever holy, forever merciful. Here are the spirits of the righteous who've gone before us. Here is at the center is Jesus, whose sprinkled blood has made it all possible. Folks, God is in his city, surrounded by the perpetual, joyful worship of men and angels. Zion is the meeting place of heaven and earth, and Jesus is right at its center. <laughs> and it's to, it's to Zion that the redeemed have come. Not just that we're going there, we have come. This is not heaven, it's heaven on earth. It's our present reality. There is more to come, but his work is finished. We live, in, we live in the now and the not yet. There's more to come. His work is finished though, and we have access to the most holy place, and we can taste the powers of the coming age. I love taking us into something that none of us fully understand. <laughs> But you know what, that's, that's the last mention of Zion in the Bible, in Hebrews 12. But, it's not the last mention of the heavenly Jerusalem. And now we know they're one and the same thing. So we turn to the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. Where the Apostle John... It tells us in uh, the first verse of 21, he, he, uh, chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He's seeing into the new creation. The first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And this is what he sees. He says, I, uh, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. Goes on in verse 9. Then one of the seven angels spoke to me and said, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he then carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high... If we're not in the Spirit, none of this will make sense. He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. John sees, in in the first passage, he sees a city. In the second passage, he sees a bride. And it's not that the city is where the bride lives. The city and the bride are one and the same thing. They're complementary images 
of the church, the dwelling place of God. And so we put these things together, together and we understand Zion is the new Jerusalem, which is the holy city, which is the bride of Christ, which is his church, which is us. This is us. And when you read on in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, some of the features of Zion, and this is where I want us to just park ourselves for a few minutes. Because if this is, if this is the case, then, then we can read about some features of Zion, some features of the heavenly Jerusalem, some features of the city of God, some characteristics, some hallmarks of the bride of Christ which will just help us pin our sights up there and say, this is us, and this is what it means, and this is where we're going. As we read on, chapter 21. Maybe I'll just read it. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist, exist no more. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. And then um, let me read on in, 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 in uh, verses um, verse 11. Uh, verse 10, he carried me away and in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Let's catch these characteristics. Arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance, we sang about radiance earlier on, was like a, a very precious stone, like a jasper stone, bright as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. 12 angels were at the gates and on the gates the names were inscribed, the names of the 12 tribes of the son of Israel. Three on the east. Uh, and the one who, who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod and he measures the city. Then he goes on in chapter 22, uh, chapter 21 still, to say there's no need of a temple because the glory of God illuminates everything. And it says in, that nations walk in her light. Verse 24, kings surrender their glory. Goes on in 22 to say that the throne of God is there. The river of life is there. The tree of life is there, which is continually bearing fruit and healing the nations. Chapter 22, verses four and five say that God's people are there and they're face to face with him and they're reigning with him forever. I can't do justice to it. But I just want to say, this is Zion. It's what, the psalmist, it's, it's what the psalmist dreamed of. It's what the prophets foresaw. All those poetic images, all those prophetic hallmarks are fulfilled here. In the apostolic vision of the church that Jesus is building. Some of you will have heard of T. Austin Sparks. Hands up, a few hands. T. Austin Sparks. He says this, Zion is the consummation of everything. The very epitome, the very essence of God's thought for his church. I want to say Jesus is building his church 
and Zion is the blueprint. Not Jerusalem, not Antioch, not Ephesus, not Hillsong, not the biggest church up the road. Zion is the blueprint. Nothing less than Zion is the blueprint. I don't think the New Testament knows anything of a Zion that is a rebuilt temple, a repopulated city, or a resettled land. Zion's ultimate fulfillment was never natural, never geographic, never earthly. All the old covenant provisions were shadows and types pointing to a greater reality. And if we don't get that, we'll get totally confused. We've come to Zion, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the meeting place of heaven. We've not just come to Zion, we are Zion. This is us, the city, the bride, the Jerusalem from above, the church of Jesus Christ. And it's here in Zion, in this heavenly Jerusalem, through all these images in the Psalms, in the prophets, in in the, gospel, in, the, um, in the Acts, in, the, in Hebrews, in, in Revelation. It's through all these images that these hallmarks, these characteristics are, un, are unveiled and must be seen amongst us. And what I want to do just to finish is to make seven declarations. What I believe this means for us here and now, what I believe it means for us this year. I appreciate there's a lot to take in. I want to encourage you to amen with me. Because at times, it feels like I'm not sure who's, who agrees with me. I want you to amen. Because our tongue has the power of life and death. We create something when we say amen, when we when we put our words out there, don't we? So I don't don't think any of these things are controversial. Don't worry. I've dealt with the controversial stuff. This is the straightforward stuff now. And I'm going to make these seven statements about Zion, about the city, about the bride, about the Jerusalem from above, about the church, about us. This is us, okay? Number one. The king is enthroned in Zion. Psalm 2. Therefore, Jesus is Lord of our church. He is honoured. He's exalted. He's worshipped. He is obeyed. We will live in purity. His word is our authority. His word is our authority. We have no other gods. Amen. Amen. Oh, feeling much better now. Thank you. Second declaration. Zion is the meeting place of heaven and earth. Therefore, we will not lower our expectation about tasting the powers of the age to come. God is dwelling amongst us. Angels are with us. Heavenly dimensions are breaking in on our earthly gatherings. There is mighty power. Nothing is impossible. And we will see more and more this year. 
Amen. Third declaration. The redeemed of the Lord shall come with singing unto Zion. Therefore, our church shall be known for its joy, expressed in exuberant praise, heartfelt worship, and in the joy and peace of our relationships with one another. Amen. 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 It's important we say amen. 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 Count yourself in. Declaration number four. Zion's people are known, named, chosen, and loved. Psalm 87. Psalm 50 says, perfect in beauty. Therefore, we will treat each other with the same love and respect. We will build a close-knit community. We will make space for all those precious stones that are part of Zion to dazzle. We will reach out to the world that God loves so much and welcome hundreds of people home this year. Amen. Declaration number five. Did I say there was seven? Yeah, okay. Zion cannot be shaken because she's built around a precious cornerstone. Therefore, we will build well. We won't cut corners. We lay good foundations in every place so that all our people are rooted and secure and standing firm even if all else is shaking so we can offer hope to the world. Amen. Number six. No one living in Zion shall say, I am ill. That's Isaiah. Make a note, read it. Isaiah 33, verse 24. Therefore, we will never let go of God's word that we will be a haven of health. We will keep praying, keep reaching, keep believing, keep testifying until God's word is manifest amongst us. Amen. And number seven, the nations will stream to Zion. She is the joy of the whole earth. Therefore, I really do want you to get very noisy now. Our church will be a home to all nations. We will celebrate diversity and difference. We will never think we're big enough, full enough, diverse enough, multiracial enough. This is not a British church. It's not a Western church. It's his church. This is us. Amen. Amen. And I just want to uh, end by reading, and I'd love the musicians to come. I said to Rich, you'll know what to sing. He doesn't. Well, pray for him that in the next 10 paces up on that platform, he knows exactly the song to sing. 
while I read this to you. I want you to respond. Your heart, your soul, your mind with your body right now. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem, the holy city. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. People of Zion, let's awake, let's arise, let's shine this year. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.